having the best damn day of my life. Any moment I'm about to burst into song. Zippity doo dah. Hello and welcome to Condensed Truth, the Essential X-Files podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm Laura. And this week we have new guest, Michaela. Welcome, Welcome, Michaela. Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Uh, This week we are talking Season 6, Episode 14, Monday. This aired February 28th, 1999. It was written by Vince Gilligan and John Scheiben and directed by Kim Manners. Um, so I already know your relationship to the X-Files because I think I am partly responsible for you <laughs> watching the show. You're actually fully responsible <laughs> and blamed, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like you carry some, it's not, some responsibility on that part. It's not just me for Shelby being wholly responsible for their relationship to the X-Files. Yeah. Shelby has recapped <laughs> across... You're really going through it. Um, Yes, but Shelby was probably one of the biggest people trying to convince me to watch it. And I promised for years that I would eventually. And I finally started it this year. And I'm just so happy that I did (laughs) and eating my words a little bit (laughs) because it's become such an incredible thing for me this year. Yeah, it's it's been so fun to watch you watch it like. It, sometimes I feel really bad because you get to the really bad parts of it. It's just like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean this part. <laughs> I know. I know. I told you I was going to go all the way, all the way through. So, like, I don't know if you're really to blame for that part, but I do still. There's a little bit of resentment. A little bit of resentment. Understandable. In this episode, Mulder, Scully, and a bunch of strangers end up in a time loop. Mulder relives one of those Mondays you wish you could just skip entirely, while another woman, Pam, also has one of those Mondays, but she knows it's happening over and over. She tries to tell Mulder so they can finally stop the loop. Yeah, so first of all, I just found this out because I was like looking up something. Mm -hmm. I think I forgot her name, so I was like, what is this woman's name? So I go to IMDb, and then I click on her name, and I find out that she is Carol Burnett's daughter. Oh, I realized she does look like her. That that makes sense. Yeah. And and very sadly, she dies in 2002. So she dies like three years after this. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah. She died of lung cancer. That's sad. Mm hmm. She's the perfect energy for this character. Like she's Mm -hmm. like nervous. She's like shaking like a chihuahua sometimes. And like (laughs) just like the way she like exudes. It's like existential dread of like going through like the worst moment of your life over and over and over like hundreds of times it's it's fantastic i agree she has great energy for that the look and everything just because even though you don't really follow her through the episode you can kind of feel the emotions of it through her through her character yeah i Mm -hmm. um i feel like the most sympathy for her character in the entire episode Yeah, we'll we'll get into like my feelings about the end of the episode when we get to it. But yeah, she's she's great regardless of whether yeah. the ending is 
utterly bizarre <laughs> choices being made. <laughs> I will say they wrote this episode in six days, which is <laughs> par for the course for them. And also, like, one of those things, I think I mentioned it before, where, like, I feel, like, a little less mad whenever I remember, like, how they probably couldn't even string together two thoughts by the end of right. To be like, wait, like, do we just, like, kill this woman? <laughs> wait, how do we actually stop this? I always feel a little less mad when it's event skill again. That's a, a, a flaw of mine. But there are so many times where I watch an episode, Roadrunners in season eight, I think is one of his too. Um, mm-hmm. But I always watch an episode and there will be something I don't like about it. And then I realize that it's event skill again episode. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we open a Craddock Marine Bank, which for eagle eyed, Better Call Saul viewers, which I don't think either of y'all are. This is also in that show. And I think it's in Breaking Bad, maybe. Anyway, it's Craddock is... Oh, yeah. And then the other thing of the Vince episode, so we always got to figure out where's the connection to his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And it's Craddock Marine Bank. Um, She grew up in Craddock, a suburb of Portsmouth, Virginia. And her mother's maiden name is Bernard. So there we go. That's the Vince connection. Wow. Oh, wow. That's a deep one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's subtle this time. You gotta yeah. You gotta spend like twelve bucks on some book they wrote in the nineties <laughs> that details every single episode. <laughs> well, to find like, that out. Congrats to her mom, that the worst character in so much of X Files history is named after her. Just the shittiest character. <laughs> oh, uh, his mom, uh, Mulder's mom. No, um, Bernard. Oh, okay, okay, got it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. He's he's really bad. <laughs> yeah, I just don't under like we'll talk about it. I don't understand <laughs> what his goal is. I don't understand what he's trying to do. I don't understand his motivation. You know, they don't really that explain his motivation. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a loser. Just generally a loser. My other note is that this episode. You might think it's, you know, Groundhog Day, but Vince says, when we rip off something, jokes Gilligan, we rip off only the very best. In actuality, we were ripping off an old episode of The Twilight Zone called Shadow Play. <laughs> These nerds, I just, like, am not convinced they've seen many, like, shows and movies that are not in black and white. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, all the references are so ancient. <laughs> I know. I love it, though. I love it. I love my nerds. <laughs> It's a bank robbery in progress. The cops are all showing up and Skinner shows up and the guy's like, oh, is the FBI taking over? He's like, no, my dumbass agents are probably in there. <laughs> Aww, another Skinner. day, another trying to save their ass. <laughs> I had this thought when I was watching the episode again last night, but this happens at like 10 o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> what does Skinner do for the rest of the day after this? Like, I'm just imagining that he spends this whole day, like, a hundred times just filling out paperwork about Mulder and Scully getting blown up. Like, a hundred and fifty times. Oh, my God, this. yes. <laughs> Poor Skinner. He's going to that dry-ass meeting and like, just do a silent cry or something. <laughs> right. So we talk about Mulder's repeating bad day, but we don't talk about how Scully and Skinner have to sit through that meeting, like, a hundred million <laughs> times or whatever. Like... <laughs> Yes. The meeting is so perplexed to me, too, because, like, it's it seems to be about crime statistics yeah. generally trying to forecast crime. And it's like, 
Mulder's got like catch like maybe two people a year. Yeah. Like everybody else just dies. Like why are they in this meeting? Right. This is another thought that I had too. It's like the idea that Mulder even cares that he's late to this meeting in the first place. Yeah. Just feels like a stretch to me. Just the idea that this meeting is on his radar at all. That he is aware that it's happening and that he's late to it. That he got to work every day that this day repeats. He gets to work. And the first thing he says to Scully is, I know I missed the meeting. And I just feel like it's a stretch to think that he would know that he missed this meeting, that he would care about it at all. That's such a good point. He's he's very much like, I, I just don't want to get yelled at. Yeah. At first, I thought it was like a disciplinary meeting, which is why he cared to be at it anyway. And is also like 99% of the meetings that he has to take at the FBI. So I was shocked yes. that it was just like no regular, regular, normal meeting. Yeah. And the... The meeting's just three strangers, Mulder, Scully, and Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he's presenting a report. He has to be there to give a report. So I just, I don't know what this report is. And also, yeah. I was wondering why Scully wouldn't just give the report, because there's that one where she goes to the bank so that he can go give the mm -hmm. report. So I was wondering why she wouldn't just do the report, but then I had the realization that she probably doesn't want to be associated with whatever he was going to report on. She probably doesn't want to read that to this room, whatever it is that he came up with. Yes. That's such a good point. Yeah. So we have Pam try to, she runs up to Skinner and she says, stop this. She doesn't really elaborate, which, like, I get. Like, she seems to have tried, like, every single person in the bank trying to figure out mm -hmm. who's the link that can stop this time loop. And I feel like at this point she's tired and he doesn't really respond. And so she's like, okay, like, just don't let them go in. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, yeah, cops storm in. The dude is strapped with a bomb and the bank blows up. Oh, before he blows up the building, Mulder's like all bleeding out. It's very tender. It's great Scully in this scene. Like her, you know, I just want everybody to live, you know. Mm -hmm. oh, it's classic uh, Scully. So mm -hmm. oh, I love Scully. She was so good in this episode. Yeah. Like it's very much a Mulder episode, but she's fantastic. Yeah. So it's fun to like kill them in the cold open and then go like credits and it's like, okay, well, what's this episode going to be about then? Right. And it's the time loop. <laughs> I also wrote like entirely too many notes about like why this newspaper guy is delivering mail in the apartment complex, but also these style apartment complexes where they're like actual buildings with hallways and elevators and stuff is very foreign to me as a Texan. Right. So <laughs> most of our apartment complexes are kind of like motels, like doors, yeah. doorways are all to outside and stuff. So lots of very fascinating things about mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this whole like world. Also delivering a news. There's this episode's so 90s. It's incredible. It <laughs> I had my 90s moment like right away in this episode. It was great. And we didn't watch Dreamland, but. The waterbed that is central to this whole episode is from Dreamland. And Mulder got body swapped. And this guy bought him a, a waterbed. Mulder then comes back into his body and apparently doesn't think twice about how he has a waterbed suddenly. Okay, so that is genuinely funny knowing that. Because before I was like, <laughs> A, when did he get a waterbed? And B, when did he get a bed? And C, why is there a creepy <laughs> mirror on 
top of the bed. Yes. We can talk about this for hours because Shelby, you know, Dreamland is like my favorite episode of the entire series and of television that's ever been made. And so the callback, because X-Files doesn't usually call back to old no. episodes, especially Monster of the Week episodes. And so it just delights me so much. And the fact, it delights me to no end that Mulder got home at the end of the day and there was a waterbed and mirrored ceiling in his apartment and he just started sleeping on it and didn't question it. Just not a was single like, time. Okay. Yeah, and like still and just doesn't know where gift. the bed came from and is not concerned yeah. by that either. Because he also when his landlord is like, you're not supposed to have a water bed. He's like, I don't know. It was a gift or something. Like, why are you mad at me? Yeah. Oh my it's God. It's been like at least two months since mm-hmm. this water bed just appeared in his apartment. And he's just been sleeping in it and never questioning where it came from. That he left mm, his apartment no. one morning and that bedroom was hoarded out. He didn't even have a bedroom <laughs> right. when he left the apartment that morning. Right. Because you can see in Dreamland mm-hmm. that it's stacked floor to ceiling with boxes. Well, yeah, he normally so, sleeps on his couch, right? Right. Because he doesn't mm-hmm. have a bed. Right. Until somebody just puts one in his apartment. And he just got home that night and started sleeping on it. And I also <laughs> noted last night when I was watching that you can see, because in Dreamland, Michael McKeon cleans out that bedroom that's hoarded out and cleans his apartment and everything. And you could see in Monday that he's already started stacking boxes. Stacking stuff up again. <laughs> But it's like just a dark behavior. in it. Yes. And like tub- it's- tubs of clothes and stuff <laughs> in it. This whole sequence is so funny, but there's like so many fun like little bits. Like the shoes left like in your walkway mm-hmm. is so me coded. Like <laughs> just clutter beyond <laughs> like imagine villain like cleaning someone having like just finally be like Mulder I, I clean out like clean out your apartment it's all nice start fresh immediately start like everything piles up again is I really relate to it I also yeah. would have tripped on my shoes and yelled at myself <laughs> <laughs> I love the it just that whole sequence and this whole episode when I was watching it what I really what really stood out to me is like how human it feels for Mulder in a way that a lot of them don't because all of his facial mm-hmm. expressions, the way he looks at his watch, the way he trips over his shoes, the way he struggles to open the check. Like, it's just, it's really grounded in a way that we don't see Mulder a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the concept that like he sleeps enough to oversleep is also very funny. <laughs> right. Like Batman isn't eternally sleep deprived. Well, you know, it's been like yeah, exactly. six days since he slept. He just passed out on that waterbed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is just like this first sequence, like the, it gets repeated. And I think it's funny in the other sequences, too. But this first sequence just completely nails. Yeah. Like just the compounding misfortunes of Fox Mulder on this Monday. <laughs> His alarm clock shorting out because of the water. His phone getting soaked by just like falling over into the puddle. Uh, his comedically silly way he's trying to stop the water from seeping out of the waterbed by like putting a, a pot under it and then also like 
trying to put the pot on top of it and like spilling water everywhere. He puts his finger onto the hole at one point instead of just like, <laughs> I'm like, what was the long term plan there that he was gonna just put his finger He's just gonna on sit the there leak. all day until Scully shows up. There was no long term plan. <laughs> no. Well, that's the thing. It's very Mulder in the way that he never has a long term plan. He never has an exit strategy. It's always just this first <laughs> impulse. But also, it's very human in that way that I was saying, where he's just just woken up. He's overslept. He's gotten shaken out of bed. He's covered in water. So sometimes in those moments, you don't think logically about what the best mm-hmm. thing to do to solve the issue is. You're just like, maybe I'll put my <laughs> finger on it. See what happens. <laughs> exactly. So he owes his landlord a hell of a lot of money because the water is seeping into his downstairs neighbor's life. This man is a nightmare to live next to. He's so surprised, too. Like, he's so surprised to find out that it's... Like, at one point, he answers the phone, and he says, it's coming through down there. And I'm like, you're standing in a pool of water. Of course it's seeping down into the other apartment. (laughs) Uh, incredible. So he goes to the office and I, it's just very funny to like even have to go m- cash your check, like not having direct deposit. I was just mm-hmm. like, no direct deposit. <laughs> I don't even know when that started becoming a thing, but <laughs> even if it was, a, it pretty sure it was a thing probably by 99, even if it was the government probably didn't have it. Like the government's always mm. late on everything. Yeah, that's true. Also, not to derail us like for 30 minutes, but I could talk 30 minutes about like why this man is living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> He's just like me for real, for real. We've talked about this so many times, I feel like, because it's just so there are so many different theories and there are so many different ways that he mm-hmm. could be spending money because he grew up. We know he has a trust fund, or maybe his parents don't oh, yeah. care about him enough to have a trust fund. <laughs> he grew up like, on honestly, he should have two. He should have Samantha's and his. Right. right. He should have two <laughs> trust funds. You know that he they paid for him to go to Oxford, I'm assuming. So he right. probably yeah, has a trust have. fund. Also, his father's died by now. His father had that house. So... Mm-hmm. What happened? What ha- what what happens here? <laughs> right. Well, all of his father's <laughs> stuff. Well, I guess his parents were divorced, so it would go to Mulder and not Tina. Right. So well, thinking, oh well, mm-hmm. it would all just go to Tina. But if they were divorced, they, were they divorced? Did they I just were, make that up? Yeah, they were. They were divorced, but you do see her cleaning out the house after right. Bill dies. She's the one that went to clean it out. Mulder wasn't doing right. any of that. Maybe they had a weird like like section in their like divorce agreement where she still inherited his estate <laughs> above the mm. children which is like really kind of strange and weird but yeah he should also yeah have his dad's estate because his sister's not there so there's not even anyone to split it with i would not put it past tina to be so financially irresponsible that Mulder does end up giving like a lot of bill's estate to her right i also would not put it past Mulder being incredibly financially irresponsible (laughs) by all these little adventures that the fbi won't pay for because you know he's trying to build them for every damn thing he does he what paid like thirty (laughs) dollars for that alien autopsy video like that man does not (laughs) yeah (laughs) that man does not spend money well (laughs) and 
It's funny because I've recently started watching The Lone Gunman, which mm-hmm. aired in 2001. So slight spoiler, but Mulder disappears for a little bit. And at the in the show, they're like, we're flat broke. So it's like, man, Mulder <laughs> was just like financially like bankrolling the one gunman wasn't he? Yeah, they mentioned you know, that I can... in season nine of the X-Files too. It's like right after Mulder leaves, they say they're having money problems. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> like he was everything to this. <laughs> he was funding this institution, this zine. Like, yeah. good on Mulder for just like bankrolling the lone gunman and then just being a total financial wreck himself. Like, <laughs> they're doing that's important amazing. work, you guys. They're doing important work. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, he has to. He's he's like support journalists, support journalism. <laughs> also, I love Scully's little scrunch face when he's like, "My waterbed broke," and she's mm-hmm. like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> so Mulder goes off to the bank, and we meet the bank robber Bernard. Cuts across two lanes of traffic. He's just a complete utter asshole. And I do like the bit here where Pam like. Uh, lip syncs their argument Bernard's argument with the cyclist he almost mm-hmm. closed lines with his car door um, giving us a hint that like this is a time loop but like she's aware of it at this point and then Mulder walks by and he looks at her in a way where she was like he's never done that before and so she starts to get hope that this weird little freak of a man can help her and I guess she is right by the end of it. <laughs> Probably not the help you were looking for, Pam. Let's be real. Yeah. You're not looking to uh, get shot by your boyfriend. Now, I'm not sure that this is what she had in mind. But if she knew better yeah. that Mulder was her last hope, she probably would have lowered her expectations a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we see this meeting we keep hearing about. Or I guess we've only heard about for the first time. And... So at the meeting, this is script. It's just like beautifully, like driest meeting imaginable. Like I, I'm never really in meetings like this, but I have been in meetings like this before, and I'm just like completely zoned out. Like I don't care what they're saying, and Scully's very much there. And I like how they do this whole thing. And Skinner's like the unpredictable future, which brings us to Agent Mulder. <laughs> <laughs> And then she, he's like, Where, when's he coming? And Scully just like gets up and leaves. No words spoken. Just like, okay. Enough. <laughs> I'll go find him. She's like, there's my cue to go look. <laughs> no one else is gonna. Exactly. And it has just an incredibly bad day for Mulder to wake up late, wake up soaking wet, have to go to the bank so you don't write a hot check to your lo- landlord. And then getting like, in a bank robbery situation. <laughs> just, he's not even pit, like he's not even like scared. He's just like, oh my God. So he's so yeah. annoying in I line can't. at the bank in the first loop specifically. <laughs> like he's bopping up and down to himself. <laughs> he's making hand motions for people to go faster. He's singing to himself silently at one point. Like he just can't stand still for a a moment being in line at the bank is just unbearable to him. Oh my god, yes, yes. He's like, I I got I got aliens to investigate. Why am I here doing the Monday? <laughs> Which is really the fun of this episode and the point of it is just how, how yeah. toned down and boring the boring meeting and the check to the landlord and the line at the bank. It's just 
Mm-hmm. It's so, yeah, like just like this monotonous day is just ha- you're having to go through it over and over and over again. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is probably one of the boring days of Mulder's life, and it's the one that he lives two hundred times or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he holds up the bank and the teller like hits the silent alarm, which is by her feet. And I'm like, there's no way that alarm is just like in a place where anyone can accidentally kick it throughout the day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we see Scully walking. Mulder sees Scully walking towards the door. And so he tells the bank robber, like, you forgot to lock the doors. So like this dude acts like he has a perfect plan, but he doesn't lock the door like. (laughs) He just is a mess of a bank robber. Yeah. <laughs> He's a really horrible bank robber. And I also feel that it's important to point out that Mulder has robbed a bank before. And so <laughs> that's right. Mulder is like, he's very non-fussed with this bank robbery. And he feels a little bit judgmental with how the bank robbery is going down because he has successfully robbed a bank before. Also, when he lies down <laughs> on the ground in the first loop, when the robber, when Bernard pulls the gun out, he says zippity doodah. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just uh. nothing to him. Lying down on the ground in this bank with the robber pulling a gun on him. <laughs> It's just he's next to the lady like, who's like Zaz? hysterically yelling too. Right. And he's just oh, like, that poor mm. woman. <laughs> he just like turns around and he's like, it's okay, like calm down. <laughs> this is just, you know, this is the bank robbery is a part of how this is a boring normal Monday for Mulder. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. And so when Scully walks in and Bernard turns to her. Mulder pulls his gun out and immediately gets shot in the heart. So, like, this is the first, this is basically outlining how the first cold open happened. And it's just like, Mulder, like, you're really going to, like, die for some bank's money. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, just you let them no take sense the of money. Of- like, <laughs> yes, it's not your money. They It's insured. Like, who cares? <laughs> and also, why do you roll up to a bank robbery strapped with a bomb? Like, I would lead with that, first of all. Like, he keeps not telling people he has a bomb and then being, like, shocked they aren't acting like he has a bomb. And (laughs) Scully's even like, they don't know you have a bomb. Like, you haven't told anybody anything. (laughs) This is what confuses me about Bernard, because he doesn't want to be arrested. He's really strict that they not, he's insistent that they not call the police, that they not trigger the alarm, that they not send the SWAT team in. He doesn't want to be arrested. Um, he doesn't want to be shot by the police. He accuses Scully of just trying to get him killed when she tries to get him to go towards the window. But he's willing to blow himself up. So I don't understand what his plan was or what his goal is. He also at one point says that he's doing this for his girlfriend. But why? But how? Why? <laughs> yeah. Like, he says that, yeah. but then they never tell us exactly why. So then, it, like... His motivation mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. And like Pam is so freaked out the entire time because she's reliving this horrible day over and over that it just like he kind of just comes off as an abusive asshole. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't I want him to like leave his girlfriend alone forever is what I want. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you how about do that for your girlfriend instead of rob a bank? Right, and it feels like he's robbing the bank to try to like make a better life for them or something. Like he mentions how his job 
can't remember what he said he does, but yeah. that he's not going to have a he's future He's like a janitor. There. That he doesn't have a future at his job. Mopping floors. And so it's like he's trying to take the money from the bank to do something with it. But also his plan seems to be to die in the bank. So what's the point of robbing right, it yeah, before yeah. you blow the bank up? I don't understand what he's trying to do at all. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, it's utterly bizarre. And like, I, I can see the appeal of like, that's like one argument of like, that's the point, right? But like at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, I think it works fine for the story because it's, the focus is the looping part, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, his whole deal is just a mess. Like, it just very much like has a violent impulse and a, a rage against everybody keeping him down. <laughs> that like he is going to try to get rich or die trying, and it's die trying more often than it's going to get rich because yeah, he doesn't ever seem yeah. inclined to leave the bank with the money because at some right sometimes mm-hmm. Mulder tries to get him to leave the bank with the money. But he never Mm -hmm. is interested in just getting away with it. He seems like his goal is to blow this thing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very confusing. Like it, it, this plot, the plot of the time loop definitely breaks down if you think about it too hard. Which I think is probably because they wrote in six days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we start again. So we we see Mulder's bad day. There's like a few changes, but for the most part, it's pretty similar to how it happened previously. Except his phone reads, rings a second time this time, and it's Pam trying to call him. Which like is his number just like listed in like the yellow pages? You know, people <laughs> just did that. They just listed their phone numbers yeah. and their names and their addresses. Yeah, at this point, like at what point does Mulder just say like, "Look, I'm having an awful day. I cannot come into work." Like. <laughs> Probably cheer. I gotta go to the bank. They would celebrate if Mulder said that he wasn't coming into work. Yeah, they like had to give him like force him to take a vacation and never again. Like right. we know he has the PTO. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to be sitting on his desk and like Scully walks in, the first thing he says is, I know I miss the meeting. <laughs> like he's just like, Don't even start with me. I already know. I'm already having an awful day. Yeah, I like that as the loops progress. He gets more and more frustrated because it's a nice Easter egg a little bit because you can tell that some part of his subconscious is hanging on to that he's done this before. And so the first time we see it, he's just kind of Mm -hmm. a a little bit annoyed at things that are happening. But as the loops progress, he just gets more and more frustrated and pissed off at everybody that he's talking to and at the shoes and at everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> like, even at the one, I think it's the next loop, where the landlord calls and he's just like, I know, I know, mm-hmm. I'll pay for it. <laughs> yeah, there's some part of him that's like, we've had this conversation 80 times, even though he doesn't remember it. Right. He's like, I can't mm. explain why I have a waterbed, but I'll pay for it. Just <laughs> go away. And like, every loop, has Scully saying when Mulder's like, you ever have one of those days you wish you could restart? And um, and she every loop, she's always like, yes, of course, frequently. Mm-hmm. Ever since I started working here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, it, and it's your fault. <laughs> this loop and, like, the next one are, like, have some of my, my favorite moments of the episode where, like, 
it's so Mulder and Scully where like they just suddenly start talking about like big topics of like fate, free will in the middle of like being late to a meeting and having to go to the bank. Like just the way that they carve out these little moments throughout their day and like the mundanity is like one of my favorite things about the show is just like how much they love to just talk to each other. It's right. it's so and they good. They come up with different arguments each time, even though they both stay on the same sides. They have something different to say each time that they've just halted being late and having things to do to have this debate over these existential topics, <laughs> such as so Mulder and Scully. But they they come up with yeah. different views each time. Like at one point, Mulder brings up Freud. <laughs> And, like, they have different, they always have something new to say to each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is kind of a weird moment, but I forgot to do this earlier. But I usually recap the mythology, and what we didn't watch was Two Fathers, One Son, which I think last time I rewatched the show, I called uh, Two Fathers, One Aww. Bummer. Because <laughs> I just don't really like them. <laughs> two Fathers, okay, One Bum. <laughs> The two fathers are very much Bill and Cigarette Smoking Man. And the Who one son, I guess, be? is Mulder. Yeah. But but it's, like, funny because, like, that's the title, but, like, this isn't where they explicitly say that, like, Cigarette Smoking Man is Mulder's right. dad. Even though it's, like, extremely heavily hinted because at by this point. I always thought that they did. Because I saw this episode, those episodes referenced, like, on Tumblr a bunch when I first started the show. So when I started, sat down to watch them, I thought that, like, this was going to be the moment. And then they never do. Even though I do like these episodes. Mm -hmm. So the, the quick recap of it is Cassand Cassandra Spender comes back. And we find out Cigarette Smoking Man's real name is C.G.B. Spender. I'll just go ahead and tell y'all. We never find out what CGB stands for. It's not really for. his actual name. It's, I think it's like a pseudonym that he's been using in his career. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a weird brand, like clothing brand <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do miss one of my favorite Mulder lines of him playing basketball at the Y, where they have some incredibly 90s white dialogue where this guy's, first of all, calls Mulder milk. And second of all, says, yo, cop off the, cough up the rock. Talking about the best. What? <laughs> it's so funny. And then Mulder says, hey, homegirl. Yo, I think he even says, like, yo, home. <laughs> you know, when Scully walks in, he's like, hey, homegirl, hey, home what up? Word up, I think, even. <laughs> it's so silly. Who wrote that? Anyway. <laughs> And it was Chris. It was Chris wrote that. It was Chris or was to tell a you. studio exec being like, we need this to sound <laughs> hip. And this was Chris Carter's attempt at hip in 1999. So Cigarette Smoking Man is hanging out with his beloved son, Jeffrey Spender. And he's like, can you go kill this alien for me? And he gave him the alien stiletto. And like, he fucks it up pretty bad. <laughs> and Krychek has to he save his ass. so bad that Krychek has to like... <laughs> subtly explain to him what's going on like he has that's embarrassing the worst assassin in the yes. whole world krychek has is a russian assassin who has successfully assassinated like <laughs> two people and like accidentally killed like the rest right. of them <laughs> the worst assassin right. in the world has to take over and kill this alien <laughs> and explain to beloved jeffrey spender what is going on in the situation 
Oh my god, yes. Wow. Yeah, because like Spinder is so like doesn't believe his mother's tales. And like it's so funny because the like you know, like Bitchy's cry check, like started this he like yeah. the way he started this argument or this telling him this, he he like acted like Jeffrey Spinner knew. And it's like, no, Crycheck knew he didn't know. He just wanted to like expose Sarah's <laughs> Pokemon. He's like, you know, like he's trying to make you like him right like he's you're part yeah. of the you're doing the experiments on your mom now like you understand Crycheck just wanted you're helping shit. them to like continue torture your mom right yeah <laughs> Crycheck loves stirring shit and so and any opportunity of course that's why he's my favorite that's why I love Crycheck so much he has no goal he has no force so in this fun. race other than to just fuck up whatever he cares just be and be chaotically bitchy like <laughs> in one of my books i read i can't remember if it was kim manners or someone else if it was like frank or somebody it might have been frank but mm-hmm. he said that Crycheck is kind of cigarette smoking man's bastard son like right. not literally but he is like he wants to be cigarette smoking man yeah and, and he's always been a player but mm-hmm. like cigarette smoking man has never respected him no. he thinks he's like a hired gun and he's bad at his job because he is and <laughs> he just like doesn't respect him even a little <laughs> but he really desires that he needs they dad's approval Mulder yep. and Crycheck and jeffrey oh, all, mm-hmm. of, all three of them this whole show is just daddy, daddy issues. i would say the daddy complex <laughs> <laughs> so then Cassandra goes to Mulder's Mulder, Cassandra and Scully all end up getting quarantined at the direction of Diana Fowley and this is just like this episode's a lot of exposition so like this is where they very explicitly lay out like we were working with the aliens for colonization but we were trying to buy time to build a vaccine but then the rebel aliens showed up and now that Cassandra is like the successful alien human hybrid, the aliens will want to start colonization. So there's this like, we need to kill Cassandra to stop colonization. But then like Cigarette Zoe Man is like, I don't want to kill my wife. <laughs> it's all so As if he cares. <laughs> to me. Like that's what I like yeah. about Two Fathers, One Son, though, is seeing more, and I mean this in the least sympathetic way, but like a more emotional side to the syndicate. Because there's a lot of moments in those episodes mm-hmm. that show the way that each of them responded to their family members being um, a part of the project and the way that Cigarette Smoking mm-hmm. Man feels about Cassandra and how he struggles with the idea of having to kill her and all of that. I love the confrontation mm-hmm. in Diana's apartment and everything, too. It's just a side to the myth arc into the syndicate that we don't see that often of more of a exposition like you said mm-hmm. more of an emotional feelings based side because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to kill cassandra but he has been comfortable sending her to get abducted and experimented on right as long as she's alive in his mind that's better than not being alive he tells Mulder they all sent their family members that's why samantha was abducted and that's why she was abducted from their home instead of the Air Force base. They all had everyone else get abducted from because Bill Mulder was so against the project. And and that's the other thing that kind of frustrates me about this episode is like, I feel like they needed to cram so much exposition in it. But like what would have been so interesting to me is have like 
Bill Mulder being the holdout and then his father, his son continuing that legacy, like that kind of, you know, trying to do what his father couldn't. Mm-hmm. But we don't get any like flashback. Like, and the guy who plays Bill Mulder is even in the episode in this ugly wig. But like, we don't get any flashbacks or anything. <laughs> it's just cigarette smoking man like monologuing to who knows who. I don't even know who he's talking to. <laughs> monologuing to himself, probably. <laughs> probably. Uh, he's writing this yeah. little book. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeffrey betrays his father. He tells because they they got um, Mulder and Scully got suspended because of something Jeffrey said. So he said, "I got them suspended. They should be in charge of the X Files. I'm responsible for." Oh, and also when they all go to the Air Force Base to see their loved ones return to them, it's actually the Rebel aliens and they kill <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so it's like a hundred and something. Or I can't remember how many people die, but yeah. So like, Cinder's like, that's my my responsibility. I was just sent here to like dick around and not actually investigate anything. They should be on the X Files. So this is why they're back on the X Files. Cool. And the rebels get Cassandra as well. That's a lot of exposition, but that's not yeah, my fault. That's Chris's that episode, fault. Yes. It's also essentially the <laughs> end. I don't right? blame you at all, Shelby. It's the end of the myth arc. Essentially, is the end of the syndicate. Everybody in the syndicate yeah. except for Cigarette Smoking Man and Diana die in those episodes. Mm-hmm. It was so funny when like they they caught what was going on or like they caught that it was weird and they all they just caught the car and drove off. Didn't tell anybody else. They were just yeah, like peace. Like, <laughs> okay. Back to Monday. And Mulder's like, he's like a little bit of a meltdown where he's just like, you know, I might as well not have had a waterbed and you might as well have been a doctor and we would have never met. (laughs) It's just like, man, it is like eight on a Monday. Like, you need to slow down a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So I love their positions in that argument because Mulder loves free will and he likes the idea that everybody's choices matter and that there's something that can be done about the path that you choose. But Scully kind of tries to err like mm-hmm. on the side of fate. And so I love when he says he makes that point about how she could have gone into medicine and then they never would have met. And she says something about like, yeah, fate, like that's fate. And he says, no, free will. And so they both see that differently because he wants to think that he wants to take the side that that was a decision that she made and that these are choices that are being made. Whereas she mm-hmm. kind of sees it more as like, well, yeah, I was never going to go into medicine. I was always going to meet you and do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a right path, and she has stumbled upon it. Right. And, like, Mulder, I think, likes to have control. And, like, believing in free will and the way he does, it allows him to have that control. Like, no, that was a choice that you made because you have control over your life, not just, like, predetermined sort of fate. Right. So it's also yeah, kind it of why Mulder of hates God and like the idea mm-hmm. of an omnipotent yeah. universe, because mm-hmm. I think that he really um, depends a lot on the feeling that you can do something in the world and that you can change things that are happening. Right. Mm-hmm. And I even like ending the scene of Scully being like, well, let's change your change your fate, Mulder. I'll go <laughs> deposit your check. It's so it's just so fun. It's. Uh, it was just perfect. She's like, you do the report and I'll go do this. (laughs) I can't even remember why. Why did Mulder end up at the bank anyway? Oh, right. My favorite. He um, signed his stub and not the actual check. 
I love this little sing song. Uh, endorse my damn checks. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, relatable. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> Mulder makes one thousand seven hundred ninety-seven dollars every two weeks. I looked it up, and the government pays every two weeks, <laughs> damn. which is around forty-three thousand dollars a year. And adjusted for inflation today is around $68,000 a year. Okay. Wow. That's, I feel like that's a little low for an FBI agent. That is like working as long not as enough they for what they go through. That's probably been docked. Like, <laughs> this is also assuming that the paycheck that we see, the yeah, one paycheck after that we see hasn't been like docked for whatever damage he did that week. Like, it's right. very possible that he actually <laughs> yeah. makes yeah. more True. than that. <laughs> But they had to dock this specific paycheck. <laughs> She's always because of something that he had done that month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, like, you don't have seventeen hundred dollars in your bank account, Mulder. You really don't have seventeen hundred dollars in your bank account. I mean, this I don't. <laughs> this seventeen hundred dollars is going to make or break his landlord, his apartment situation. He's going to be out mm-hmm. on the street without the seventeen hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my god so pam tries to convince boulder not to go in and she's and he is very skeptical which is interesting because i feel like Mulder would love a good time loop you know yeah i i didn't quite buy his trepidation but whatever maybe he's turning over a new leaf i feel like if a random lady walked up to him on the street and was like hey don't go inside that bank because every time you go inside that bank you and everyone else in it dies and he would be like Okay, that's interesting. Why are you telling me this? Instead of just being <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know you, lady. Well, he doesn't brush her <laughs> off or anything. He asks her questions. He really right. engages with her. And she yeah, has, totally. like yeah. we talked about earlier, how she has this energy of be- someone who is trapped in hell. So she has, her roots are grown out like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and her hair is all faded and her eyeliner is all over her face. And she's shaking and she's sweating. So this random lady he's never seen before who's really kind of distressed physically, aesthetically looks distressed, mm-hmm. comes up and says all of this. And he does engage mm-hmm. with her, even though he's a little bit trepidatious and asks her questions, tries to find more information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like that about this scene. Mm-hmm. I also like was kind of curious of whether I th- the writers were trying to portray Pam and Bernard as... Um, people that are struggling with addiction. It's, I mean, it's never explicitly said, but I, I was just kind of curious if, like, it was just he needs the money because they're really poor and he really wants to just not be poor for once in his damn life, right? Or if if there was some level of addiction. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just pulling this out of nowhere, but this is. I was curious. I mean, this is where it would be nice if we had more explanation for their motivations, um, because like I can see how it is kind of coded. I think that, that way. kind of in a backwards X-Files way, like in the way yeah. where sometimes things like abuse or mm-hmm. assault or things like that aren't explicitly mm-hmm. defined in the X-Files, but you can see right. what's happening and it's kind of laid out, um, yeah. alluded to. I can see how that could be attributed mm-hmm. to addiction, especially in Pam's character. I think you could go either way where her kind of physical state her way of being, I think, could be viewed as someone who is, like she says, trapped in hell, who's reliving this day over and over again. She's trapped in a bad situation. Yeah. She has this shitty boyfriend. 
she's trying to stop things she feels mm-hmm. so responsible for and she's just kind of worn down. So I mm-hmm. think that that's more what the intention was and what it kind of feels like to me. But I think that that is what addiction is like. And that's mm-hmm. why it feels that way. Being trapped in the same day over and over again and yeah. just feeling so stuck in things. So I mm-hmm. think that from you can look at it as mm-hmm. relating to addiction in that way, even if it's not literal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also noted that it was it was I applauded Vince and John for not getting Scully shot this go around. Like Mulder gets shot, it's like okay, yeah, that makes sense. But like, it's not like yeah. in this version, Scully gets shot. It's just that woman that was like really, really freaking out. Yeah, the hysterical so like, okay, woman. Finally, we're not doing harm to Scully for once. because in all of Mulder's versions, when that woman starts freaking out, he calms her down. Like he addresses her and tries to comfort her and calm her down. Mm-hmm. So. When Mulder walks into the bank and mm-hmm. that woman got shot, the implication is kind of that Scully didn't say anything to her, like didn't try to help her at all. <laughs> and I love that. I love Scully in this episode so much. Yeah, she's yeah. just like, whatever, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Mulder and Scully have their guns pointed at him, but I like how like there's like some subtle changes. Because in this version, instead of the cops showing up and causing Bernard to blow them up, the woman, the teller says, like, oh, by the way, I did trip that silent alarm you told me not to do. So, and at that point, he blows them up even before the cops show up. Mm -hmm. So, on to our our third loop. And this this is the one where Mulder's more curt with his landlord. He's he's more fed up. But in Pam's new strategy, because she's really keen in on Mulder and Scully, she goes to take a tour of the FBI. And ditches to try to find Scully. And so she just walks up to Scully. And she's like, I know your name is Scully. I need you and your partner Mulder to not go to this bank. Can you do that for me? And she's just like really confused. But I like yeah. how I love how Jillian plays it where she is like, it, it really unsettles her. Mm-hmm. She's trying to scoff it off. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she's really thinking about it. Like she mm-hmm. is taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, whenever Pam kind of confronts both Mulder and Scully, they don't necessarily automatically brush her off. They do actually listen to her, even if Scully tries to kind of play it off more. It's like, it does stick with her to the point where she tells Mulder about it. Like, mm-hmm. Also, Scully is so pretty this episode, and Mulder's hair is so ugly. I <laughs> I never had an opinion on season six hair, but I think it sucks. I think, I think her hair is phenomenal in this season, but his is bad. Like, you, yeah. where's the flaw? I mean, there's a lot of shirtless Mulder, though, in this episode, so... <laughs> there is. <laughs> I thought that would be a little nice thing for you. I was like, wow, yeah. he's shirtless again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. <laughs> we get our first deja vu mention. I feel like Mulder would have brought that up way sooner, but I guess, like, he... It takes him, you know, he's a slow learner. It's taking 300 times, but he's finally picking up that he's in a time loop. He's like, I keep having deja vu. Isn't that mm-hmm. so freaky, Scully? And she's like, Mulder, no. simple neurochemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give a shout out to when Mulder says, I woke up, I opened my eyes. I was soaking wet. It mentions deja vu. And she's like, you may have. Did you do a lot of drinking in college? <laughs> Get his ass. Okay, this is the part of the episode I kind of take beef with because Mulder talks about how deja vu, the Freudians believe deja vu or whatever, uh, that 
you're supposed to write some wrong, which first of all, like very Sam Beckett of Quantum Leap quoted, like bro really thinks he's, you know, doing the good fight. But like, this bums me out because it's like, it's sort of about, because Mulder and Scully are Mulder and Scully, like they're the main characters, they're always going to survive. And so this writing the wrong seems like it's referencing Bernard and Pam more. But like, by the end of the episode, I'm like, what was, what right was wrong? Like, what wrong was righted in this situation? <laughs> if that's the case. I really like the theory. Um, I can't remember where I heard this for the first time. That the reason why the day repeats over and over and the wrong that happened is that Scully dies. And that the time loop happens because Scully isn't supposed to die. Because this episode takes place after Tithonus. Oh, right. So she's immortal, and so Scully dying in the bank is something that mm-hmm. in the universe isn't supposed to happen, and so the day repeats over and over again until Scully lives through it and doesn't die. So I don't, but I don't know, I like that theory. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it plays in with Pam, because I feel like that kind of conflicts. I think that the episode wants us to think that Pam had to die for the day to end, and I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I have no problem agreeing with that or believing that about the episode and watching the episode with that point of view. I I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if I feel like it had to be Pam that died for the time loop to end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I could go back and fix it, I think that I would focus more on freeing Pam being the way that the time loop ends because the conflict of the episode from the point of view of the person who is conscious of the time loop who in a different story would be the main character of the story would be the point of view that we're in ham is the one who's stuck and she's trapped and i think that more than being trapped in a time loop she's trapped in a bad situation she has this loser boyfriend and Mm -hmm. she you know, she can't get away. She can't stop him from killing all of these people. No matter what she tries to do, she can't save herself and she can't save all these people. She can't get Mulder to stop running mm-hmm. into the bank. And so she is just, like we've talked about a lot, she has so much stress on her that it wears on her physically. She's so trapped that I think the ideal ending Mm -hmm. of this episode I don't know how like you would get there I think there would be a bunch of different ways you could would be to free Pam from Bernard and that would end the time loop Mm -hmm. Scully tells him about Pam telling him and so he's like I'll use the ATM instead and (laughs) ATM's out of service (laughs) it is one of those kind of days Walter just take just bounce the check like, it's just a fee, right? <laughs> like, yeah, just ask your landlord, like, post-date the debt uh, checks. Just be like, can you just wait a day? I got a, I got a busy day at work, and I got to cast a check later. I told my landlord I had COVID, and he was like, okay, you can just drop the rent off later. <laughs> like, it, it's not that difficult. And why yeah. would the landlord be rushing to deposit the check that morning in the first place? I feel like... Nobody deposits a check directly after they're handed it in the first place. Yes. Mulder talks with Pam again this this time, and she has the fantastic line of, we're all in hell except I'm the only one who knows it. And she's the only one aware of it, so the time loop should be about her, but because of the, because of the nature of the show, 
like it's always about Mulder and Scully. So a bit of a mess of the structure. But again, they wrote this in six days. So we should just be happy that it's as good as it is, I guess. <laughs> and I like that about this episode, too, because most time loop stories are going to be from the perspective of the person who knows it. And they could have written this episode that way. They could have written it that Mulder was mm-hmm. aware of the time loop. But having it from mm-hmm. someone else's perspective, I think, is a really unique take on it. And someone as disempowered as Pam, because if Mulder was in the time loop, I feel like it would have ended maybe after five turns or something. But like Pam can't get anybody to listen to her or take her seriously. She can't do anything. She's poisoned Bernard. She stole his keys. She's called the cops. She can't get any. She can't do anything to stop this man. Like. The loop continues because of how, like, marginalized she is, like, as a character and as right. a person. And I love that about this episode and from her perspective. And I love that about Mulder in this episode because after they speak in this scene, he doesn't go to the bank when she tells him not to. He goes back to the meeting. And I really, that's maybe my favorite thing about mm-hmm. this show and about Mulder's character is that this woman who, like we said, looks like. Mm-hmm. She just walked up on the street. She Her makeup's all over the place. Her hair is faded and everything. She's shaking. She's sweating. And she says, you know, don't go in that bank. You're going to die if you go in the bank. And Mulder turns around and goes back to work. And I love that of him and about his character, his belief in these people mm-hmm. that come up. Yeah, absolutely. And the only reason he goes back is because Scully did leave to go find him, which also leads to a really funny moment where he walks in the meeting, sits down, interrupts everybody to ask Skitter where Scully went. He says, and he's all pissed. He's got his hand up. And he says, I assume she went to go look for you, Mulder. And then he immediately... <laughs> and Skitter has a face that just screams, like, I know y'all keep leaving to make out, and I wish you'd stop because right. I Skinner can't am keep trying either to have one of them in this meeting because <laughs> neither one of them will be there without the other one. And so they keep leaving to go look for the other one. <laughs> and then we're in the last loop kind of like breeze through the early parts but this time i find it so fascinating because Mulder like stops to talk to pam unprompted which previously she was excited for but this time he does like he's like do i know you and she's just like so like almost a comatose state of just suffering so much going through this day after day and she's just like really unresponsive to Mulder and just resigned to <laughs> this loop that she's stuck in. And it's like just fantastic yeah. acting and portraying this character. But Mulder is starting to remember. So he ends up calling Scully <laughs> out of the meeting. <laughs> Again, he doesn't care. He really doesn't care what crime statistics are <laughs> next year. <laughs> and Scully brings Pam in. And Mulder just, like, galaxy-brained, like, the entire situation. He, he finally has a read on it. He's like, we're in a time loop. Your girlfriend knows it, and you keep doing this to her. Which I, I like that it was, like, Bernard, you were, you're the one who can stop this entire thing. Even, like, when he surrenders his gun to Bernard and he says, if you walk out here, I won't do anything. You can just go live your life. Like, just don't commit this mistake. And crime that you're about to do. And again, with the like mis- 
the weird characterization of Bernard where like we still don't know why he's doing it because he doesn't take this opportunity to just take Mulder up on his offer and just bounce and not get killed or arrested for doing bank crimes. But like I don't know why Bernard doesn't do that. And you know, Mulder, I love this scene. I love this part of this loop because Mulder knows that Bernard has a bomb and that he's going to blow the bank up and that he's robbing the bank. And the first thing that he does is give Bernard another weapon and try to tell him that he's in control <laughs> yes. and he's in charge. And this is something that really, I really love this about Mulder's character because he constantly tries to just counsel <laughs> the monsters. He tries to counsel the villains all the time. Um, mm-hmm. This is something he does all the time with hostage takers, with literal monsters, He's just like, you can do it. You can stand up to this. Don't be afraid. (laughs) Those are all things that he tries to do to these monsters. And it's just like, as a law enforcement officer, it's horrible. (laughs) Like, he's terrible. But as a character, it's something that I really enjoy watching. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Extremely, yeah. Pam is finally in the bank for the first time. And Bernard is, like, ready to bounce. But then he hears the police sirens. Which I thought was a I thought was a nice touch narratively. And then we kind of go off the rails because Pam does jump in front of Mulder and gets herself killed by her boyfriend's hand. And she says like this I what did she say? Like this never happened before, which which bizarrely reminded me of the end of Clyde Bruckman's final repose when the puppet gets shot and he's like, Hey, this wasn't supposed to happen. Um which is also another episode about fate and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, so she dies. Mulder wakes up the next morning. It's Tuesday, and he is back on his couch where he belongs. And and Scully's just like, we got a file report after what happened yesterday. And she's like, what did happen? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's the episode. And next we have our segments. And we start with Agent Mulder. Shut up, Mulder. Damn it, Mulder, Mulder! The Mulder rating. Uh, this was kind of hard because, like, he's just really funny. And sometimes when he's really funny, I don't want to say that he's annoying. But he was, like, peak dumbass this episode. Like, truly peak dumbass. So I think I'm just going to give him a 4.5. I'm going to go with that. Laura. Okay. This is Laura redoing her segments because she messed up again. Um, so um, my Mulder rating, I'd have to give Mulder a 7.5 for this episode because like while a lot of like his annoyingness is used for comedic relief and I do appreciate that, he's just, especially in the first time loop, like so extra, like being so extra with like the way he's treating everyone around him, like in the line at the bank and just, just really, really being annoying. Um, so yeah, he gets a 7.5 for me for that. This is where I'm really going to embarrass myself. and I feel like I've kept how embarrassing I am about Mulder a little bit in check the whole time we were recording, but I can't hide it when we get to these segments. Um, I gave him a, a three. Um, one point for the waterbed, one po- <laughs> one point for his behavior in line <laughs> at the bank in the first loop where he's like bopping around, <laughs> and one point for essentially bringing Pam to her death and just never shooting Bernard. 
so. Before I rewatched the episode, I thought that I was going to say two. And then I watched it and I was like, I'm going to bump it. I'm going to bump it up one more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and I have like competitions, like inverted, like not on purpose, but <laughs> like who is a bigger Mulder apologist at any given time? <laughs> the apology. It's just so bad. It's really. <laughs> He's just so cute and so silly. <laughs> I can't be mad I at can't him help love him. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. <laughs> It really is just like, whatever you say, gorgeous. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I really, I've said this before on Twitter. I don't think there's literally a single thing that he ever did in the entire franchise that I just like can't <laughs> excuse or make apologies for or get over. Like, I'm, I'm never mad at him for anything. <laughs> it's just never so again bad. for me. That's the only one. <laughs> and next we have. So uh, this must be the. Enigmatic Agent Scully. Our sassiest Scully moment. Laura. It's going to have to be her little scoff outside of the elevator. I think that this moment's really good for a lot of reasons. Like, A, it is very sassy. But B, I think she's mostly doing it because, like, she's being she's being watched, basically. And I think that's, like, genuinely very upsetting news for her to, like, hear, even if she doesn't fully believe it right away and then to have like the elevator doors open and have all these people standing and and staring at her it's just like her only kind of like defensive response is to kind of give this like sassy little scoff like she doesn't really believe Pam but we know that she is affected by it and maybe believes her to an extent because she then goes to tell Mulder like this information that Pam said so um I just really like that scoff because it's it's like a little moment of of sassy, scully vulnerability that we don't get from her sometimes. It's it's really nice. Okay. Mine was in the first loop when Mulder leaves to go to the bank and he says, cover for me. And she says, <laughs> when do I not? <laughs> that one is so good. Mine's a joint one. I'm giving them to two moments. One of them is because I, I feel like I needed to shout out Skinner's, like, bitchy like he resting his face on his hand like i assume she went to go look for you Mulder. <laughs> um but the scully moment is her uh <laughs> did you do a lot of drinking in college line because it just i feel like you look at Mulder and you just he doesn't seem like he drinks that much to me like he didn't see he didn't seem like a binge drinker in college to me like he's in the uk so i think that american binge drinking college culture like it's just different, like they just go to pubs or whatever. And lastly, and probably our longest, is... Welcome, you've got mail. The 90s episode, because this is just every time I thought I had one picked, a new 90 or a moment happened. <laughs> okay, first of all, you weren't even alive in the 90s, were you? No, I wasn't alive in the 90s. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I did pick one. My 90s moment okay. was that he has to go to the bank in the first place to deposit his <laughs> That's <paycheck>. a good <laughs> one. And my 90s moment, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, the fact that you have to physically go in and deposit a check at a bank, too, um, especially now with how we have, like, direct deposit and mobile banking. Um, it is just, like almost completely unnecessary to have to go into a bank to for the specific reason of depositing a check 
Okay, so mine, I had a lot. I wrote down a lot. Um, my first one I wrote down was waterbed because that is so 90s. I've actually been on a waterbed very briefly. Like the the cool couple that lived near us growing up who like didn't have kids so they got to spend their money how they wanted to. Uh had one and so I sat on it and it was like super fun. But like I would I don't see how you could sleep on one. I don't <laughs> I also want to shout out the Radio Shack alarm clock. That was my backup. My backup was the alarm clock <laughs> that gets shorted out. <laughs> and my very last one is, I noticed this very like last minute when I was rewatching it this morning, is that when Pam opens the car window, she has to roll it down. <laughs> okay, well, that was the episode. And I do genuinely like this episode. I, I think it's a good episode. I just think if I think too much about it, it makes me really mad because Pam does just get killed for the crime of like having a shitty boyfriend. And the whole like fate free will stuff just makes it even more confusing to me. But like, I do like the idea of like the loop getting stuck for the, the um, immortality stuff, but also because like me- on a meta level, like they are the main characters, they can't die. And so that kind of like, Something happens to cause them to die, but then it's like, we can't have them die, so like getting stuck in this time loop is like a really fun episode. I just wish it didn't end with like a woman getting killed. And they also try to make the point, um, I was just looking up what the line is, because they try to make the point in the end that Pam was just, Mulder says, just trying to get away. And this show kind of does that a lot with women who are trapped in abusive situations or have a lot of trauma or Mm -hmm. struggles like that, where they try to make this kind of existential point that they're just trying to be free. And it always ends with them dying and that being the freedom. Yeah. (laughs) So it's just kind of a lame thing that this show does sometimes. But I I do love this episode and... I think that it has a really smart concept. I think that it's a really interesting look at the time loop and in fate versus free will and how all of the little choices change things. But like you said, if you think about it too hard, Mm -hmm. there's some things that fall apart in it. Yeah, I like this is like one of those things where I feel like I'm stretching too. like they wrote this episode in six days. I don't know if they meant it like this, but like part of like the getting stuck in the time time loop is also like this like getting stuck in poverty like no matter what they do they can't get out of the situation that they're in and so Bernard is like well who cares about my job like I will save us and and at the same time it's just like very dismissively not listening to Pam even a little she's very clearly in distress and he just keeps saying like assuming she's just like in a mood so that is our episode and if you'd like to follow us, we are Condensed Truth on Twitter. And if you'd like to email us, we are CondensedTruthPod at gmail.com. Oh, I'm going to, if if it's cool with you, okay, I'm going to put your little, you wrote up to the movie, you wrote, you have a stub stack, and you wrote like little blurbs about your favorite episodes, and it's really good, and y'all should read it. So I'm going to link it in the show notes if I remember. This Shelby in the future, do that. Thank you. Yeah, my my first um, newsletter part for the X-Files came out on Friday when we were recording this. So um, yeah, it goes all the way from season one to the first movie. And the next one will go from season six to the second movie. So you can read that. And yeah. Or yes, yes. And um, if I don't know if you want to plug your Twitter or if you don't want to get 
more followers or anything. <laughs> Not that many people listen, so. You can find me on Twitter at <laughs> xalexspark. It's X-A-L-E-X-S-P-A-R-K. No, I'd love to connect with anybody on there. You can also find links to my writing, my Tumblr, my Substack, everything there. Yeah, and you can uh, you could just see me and Kay just talking about Twitter or talking about the X Files constantly. Being just <laughs> hugely embarrassing, Mulder apologist. <laughs> yes, yes. Next time we will be talking season six, episode fifteen, Arcadia. It'll be fun. It'll be. Fanfic is back, baby. <laughs> we got another X-Files fanfic. <laughs> Made it to a script. <laughs> Thank you so much to Michaela for coming on. This is a blast. This is like, like you, as soon as you started watching it, I was like, well, you got to come on the podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when are you, you so on much for having me. It's brave of you guys to have me on, but I appreciate <laughs> it. I had a great time. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on. And um, this was so fun. And yeah, everyone have a nice weekend. Bye. You too. Bye.